Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yes, welcome in, boys and girls, ladies and gents. It's your second edition of the week in the NFL podcasting world of the full 10 yards. And you've got me steering the ship tonight. It's Sean, and I'm joined by Ewan. How are you, mate? I'm all right. Feeling festive. Indeed, mate. Merry Christmas, one and all. It'll be all over this time next week for those of you that are looking forward to getting some regular songs back on your radio. Uh, Let's get straight into it then and get on to first down. Okay, quite a bit of news this week for a change at this late stage of the season and a high-profile player on the move, a man who said he was not going to sign anywhere unless the Baltimore Ravens came calling. But it seems as though Terrell Suggs, the veteran pass rusher, is indeed going to report to the Kansas City Chiefs who claimed him on waivers. And Ewan, obviously not the guy that he potentially once was, but a decent addition to add into a Kansas City defence that's been improving and possibly more importantly, strategically, obviously keeps him away from the Ravens, who may well be opponents for KC come playoff time. Yeah, it was interesting he fell that far. You think he said it was Ravens or nothing. The Ravens didn't put a claim in for him. Uh, and um, supposedly, um, I think it was the Saints um, and the and the KC Chiefs have put a claim. So, yeah, I mean, he's still got a bit of juice in the tank, I think, at this stage. I don't know if he wants to be there. I suppose he had a back injury. It's a bit strange why they cut him at this stage of the season with two games to go and it was meant to be his homecoming so I mean he's a guy that played at a high level um, till late in his career but he's, he's you know the Ravens are quite good at knowing when you know guys times are up so um, yeah see if he, he might he might get you know might get a flash flash in the pan a couple of stats maybe as they head into the playoffs but uh, you know good pro borderline Hall of Fame player so good ad I think this time of the season when guys aren't uh, healthy and if he's healthy then we add something yeah, absolutely. Um, good opportunity for him, like you say, to finish his career on a high note. And nothing worse than fading away into obscurity, which he potentially was doing over in the desert with the Cardinals. A uh, couple of bits of news on a front office and head coaching couple of positions. So one man who will not be returning with immediate effect is Tom Coughlin, who has been shown the door in his role over in Jacksonville. And, you know, Jacksonville are one of those teams, you and that we'll probably talk about in the off-season. You know, Doug Marone potentially is a bit of a Black Monday candidate. Uh, but it's Tom Coughlin that's got the boot. Any surprise with this one? Well, I, I don't know how much it had to do with the uh, with the, the players' union ruling against them that they were fining players for not getting treatment with, in the building on the off-season. Um, you know, an old-school disciplinarian I saw... Um, Dante Fowler's now with the Rams uh, tweet back and I'm getting my money back. So um, and he was shipped off. So I'm assuming he was the main culprit of that. And I mean, you'd think the head coach would go first. He's kind of got a unique role in the sense that he's not quite the GM, but he's he's sort of the kind of go between of the two um, of the two positions. So I mean, he's a, he's a probably a Hall of Fame coach. Won two Super Bowls. Eli Manning, um, two good, you know. Um, New York uh, Rangers side, uh, New York <laughs> Rangers, um, two good to <laughs> New York Giants sides, and uh, and they were, um, you know, he's he's had a decorated career potentially. You know, when you get to a certain point, does the league pass you by, and he's he's stuck in some of his old traditions. But yeah, I think the Jags are potentially looking for a complete reboot. Um, 
off the field uh, because the, the, the move for Nick Foles hasn't worked. And you've seen that go back to um, when they go back to Gardner Minshew, which we kind of fell into them late in the draft. So it wasn't really by design. So, yeah, I think, you know, you add all that in. I think it was, it was time for a change and probably going to be some more. Yeah, indeed. Uh, a man that I was pretty much convinced was going to be part of a change in a different organisation, Matt Patricia, the Detroit Lions riding high off a 10-game losing streak, but they've announced this week that he is not going anywhere. Uh, certainly a surprise to me. Um, I know they're obviously hoping that he's going to turn into the next version of Bill Belichick, but he's not exactly doing anything to give me a lot of confidence in that one. You and just quickly grab your thoughts on, on that one, that Matt Patricia is going to be around at least for the start of next season. Yeah, I think, I mean, albeit the models failed this season for the first time, and I think this is the first time that Brady's not going to the Pro Bowl, and that shows you where that team's got. But, I mean, the New England model was the best coach of all time and the best quarterback of all time, and people just have an assumed uh, perception that you take somebody out of that environment uh, that's all geared for success and, you know, based on accountability, and it's going to work elsewhere. And I think it's a bit of a culture shock. And I, I, there's, you know, there's been mentions of people like Darius Slay and things like that want out. Um, because they try to trade him the way they're treated. So I don't know if he's particularly liked by the players. It's hard to sack a coach when your starting quarterback goes out um, because he's not really got a level playing field because, you know, that's a good 60% of your team um, in, in, in many senses. So, yeah, I think he, he's probably worth another show. I think we're, we're, all, we're all too guilty of calling for people's heads when, uh, when they're not a fair cracker of it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Hopefully for the Lions fans, it, it ends up being the right decision. Like so, maybe he gets it turned around in year three. Uh, you just alluded to it there, my friend, in terms of Tom Brady not making the Pro Bowl. That's the last bit of significant news that we're going to talk through. Uh, the Pro Bowl rosters released. Obviously, expect these to change massively. Certainly, obviously, once the Super Bowl matchup is confirmed, a number of these players will drop out. And obviously, at this time of year, the mysterious injuries that haven't been affecting them throughout the season will start to crop up. But for the time being, uh, a couple of rosters dominated in the AFC by the Baltimore Ravens. Probably no surprise there. Um, however, they do get a whopping 12 selections, uh, which is pretty incredible. The next uh, AFC team in terms of volume of selections is the Chiefs with six. And as you've alluded to, no Tom Brady in that. The Pro Bowl quarterbacks for the AFC, and I sort of looked at these three and thought this could be a copy and paste exercise for the next number of years. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So very much a symbol there, mate, of a changing of the guard. You'll be delighted that your QB is one of those three, but you know those three potentially could dominate this AFC side for quite some time, I would suggest. Yeah, I think so. Uh, good to see uh, LT and Larry Tunsil in there at, at left tackle. I think you know him and Ronnie Stanley have sort of you know positioned themselves as you know probably the top two tackles in the game. I think at the minute, um, and uh, certainly certainly emerging. I think you see you know other other guys uh, on other rosters who you know kind of age catches up with them and tend to move. I think it was quite interesting as well to see Mark Ingram make it back in there. Uh, I think he made a, interestingly made a comment about people getting a bit too wound up about uh, running backs going over 30. Uh, Nick Chubb obviously you'll be delighted about. Uh, great season. Kept the team alive. I think he's a great running back. Liked him coming out of Georgia. Uh, Pouncy despite you know uh, fighting in the helmet gate, whatever you want to call it is, uh, is, is in there as well. Um, Conan Nelson's obviously for the AFC is obviously an absolute dead start. I think he probably Continue to be in there, and Tyreek Hill as well. I think to be just you know to, to have all the troubles he's done and, and come back and 
and get in there. Uh, say what you want about his personality, but uh, back back in the in the limelight. And then, yeah, I think it's, it's probably fair. I think the Ravens have had that many. Um, and they're good to see Tredavious White uh, getting the nod as well. I think a player I really like him. I liked him coming at LSU and Buffalo. So, um, but yeah, but do- dominated by um, dominated by probably the form team in the league, um, which tends to happen. I thought it was interesting as well. Uh, the wide receivers in the NFC completely dominated all by one division. Um, interesting to see that. Um, so definitely, that's the division for for receivers. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's pretty fair. I think there's there's, there's definitely some omissions. I think you could. Uh, when you look at the alternates, there's potentially some that you could question why they're in there and why they aren't. But uh, but it's uh, it's certainly it's certainly a, a good uh, it's a good recognition for a player, and it certainly adds uh, dollars to your your next salary negotiation. But the reality is, nobody actually wants to play in it. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame, really, because like you say, it is uh, it is a reward for good play, and it's too much of a popularity contest at times. Just to touch on the NFC roster there, as you've alluded to, the four wide receivers all coming from the NFC South. So Michael Thomas, the two duo from Tampa Bay in Godwin and Mike Evans, and the other one is, um, bear with me two seconds. Completely unprepared. Where is that other wide receiver? I've got it written down as well. So embarrassing. It is Cross Chris Godwin. Yeah, Chris Godwin. Julio Jones. That's the other one. Um, So yeah, they're the um, wide receivers in terms of the rest of the NFC. A bit more of an even breakdown. Seven from the Saints, four from the 49ers. And just for proof that it is popularity contest, four from the Dallas Cowboys. How on earth have the Dallas Cowboys got four pro bowlers this year? But there you go. Um, in terms of snubs, um, probably for me, I've got a couple written down. Darren Waller, I think, has been a little bit unfortunate. Uh, I think he's had a great season with the Raiders. Um, obviously, their premier receiving target has uh, certainly turned into that. Obviously, you know, tough competition there in that position with Kelsey and Mark Andrews from Baltimore. Um, but I thought Darren Waller had a particularly nice season. You could say similar for Josh Jacobs also from Oakland, obviously the, the rookie runner. Um, but as we've alluded to, Ingram, Chubb and Derrick Henry, the third running back on the AFC side. So tough competition to be had there. Uh, I thought Joe Schaub, possibly unlucky from the Browns in terms of inside linebacker position. And the other one that sort of stood out for me, and I've been a big fan of his, I know he divides opinion, but I thought that Kirk Cousins could have had a shout in terms of the season that he has put together in Minnesota. Anybody stand out for you in that list, you, and or was there anybody else that you thought missed out that should have been there? And I mean, it's, it's also <clears throat> it's all subjective. I think it depends what position you play, because if you're a good nose guard in a 3-4, then you potentially don't get a shout in this. Um, depend if you're a, an inside linebacker uh, in a three-four, it's it predominantly um, favors a four-three look. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these ones, and I, I don't know how they pick the long snapper either. That's always one that I always wonder about. <laughs> that, that's where it comes back to, like you say, just the the uh, the form team of the league, isn't it? It's no surprise that the Baltimore Ravens fullbacks played uh, pick this year, even though no one can probably tell me who he is. So there you go. Uh, final bit of news from the week, just in terms of Monday Night Football. We'll touch on it as we preview the games for Week 16. 
huge win for the Saints. Historic performance from Drew Brees, which I'll get onto in the game preview. But they take care of business and defeat the Colts. Uh, that officially eliminates the Colts from playoff contention and obviously moves the Saints with a equal record of 11-3 and with Green Bay and Seattle and San Francisco all at the top of that NFC, which we know is loaded. Really interested to see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks. Myself did and you just, and are going to... Did you see on the on that game uh, that the over for Drew Brees' yards, I think it was 307.5. He was at... 309 and uh, the last play they ran didn't get back on the field was a negative two yard screenplay so <laughs> if, you, if you hadn't cashed out at that point I think you would have been uh, it was probably the only interesting thing that happened in the game because it was uh, so incredibly one-sided <laughs> yeah, yeah, bad beat if anyone was on that one. Um, that's a couple of times that's happened in recent weeks, isn't it? Where a bet seems to be coming in and then something happens and it goes the other way. Uh, we will start looking at week 16 when we get to third down. But for second down, we're going to hand over to the boss and Tim is going to have someone on for the full 10 questions. Second down. Yes, indeed. Time for the full 10 questions. I hope you've all been watching at week 15. We're going to be testing Adam Foxcroft from the Long Snapper pod. Uh, Adam, welcome you in. Uh, hello. How, um, how you yeah, doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, you've been watching much week 15, I suppose, um, after the heartbreak versus the uh, Texans. I suppose you weren't really a big fan of week 15, were you? <laughs> I'd have preferred the Eddie of the last probably five or six weeks would, yes. have, been, would have been better. But yeah. um, I've watched some. My, my concern with this quiz versus the one you did last year was, you know, I, I can remember stuff from 1993, like it, oh, I was going to say like it Like it's 1990, <laughs> but, yeah, The trouble is I can't remember what happened yesterday ah. um, and recent things, like I can, I can watch a game and I've watched quite a few, quite a few games as I do every week and you ask me the following day who scored a touchdown and I'm not necessarily going to remember. So we it could be embarrassing. Okay, well, we, yeah, we, 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 we'll see. Um, okay, I think the score to beat this season is 8 out of 10. I think it was a 9 out of 10, but that's uh, that was didn't, never made it to air, so that's, um, yeah, that's a technicality oh, okay. on that one. So we, we shall see. But yeah, 8 out of 10 is the bar. So uh, without further ado... What's, we, what's the low bar? Just the low so bar is, I think, 3, I think. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just see if I've got a tech... Yeah, we've got a Texans... I think we've got... Yeah, we've potentially got a Texans-Titans uh, question in there, so we shall see. All right, we shall start the clock in three, two, and one. Question one, which player scored both of the New York Jet touchdowns in Thursday Night Football versus the Ravens? Uh, I think that was Crowder. Question two, which player caught the winning touchdown for Atlanta in their game versus the 49ers? Oh, because uh, Hooper caught one in the end zone, but that was that was chalked off, I think. Um, it must have, I think it was Julio Jones I've got to go with Jones ok question 3 which team scored the least amount of points in week 15 with 3 uh, the Broncos ok question 4 which game had the biggest winning margin of 29 points uh, I th- probably the Vikings beating the Chargers maybe ok yeah uh, Vikings alright question 5 which game had the closest winning margin of 4 uh, oh, well, the, I think the Titans lost by three, so I'm gonna. Oh, uh, 
I'm going to say the Titans-Texans game. Okay, question six. I have to go and check that. Question six. <laughs> which defen- What was the defensive player for the Patriots that scored the touchdown versus the Cincinnati Bengals? Uh, I could picture the play. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Gilmore would be my guess. Okay, question seven. Which running back had more rushing yards in the Cleveland Browns-Arizona Cardinals game, Kenyon Drake or Nick Chubb? Um, I'm going to go with well the the Cardinals won that comfortably I'm going to go with Drake Okay. question 8 how many incomplete passes did Drew Brees have versus the Colts on Monday Night Football Uh, just one Mm. question 9 which player had the only rushing touchdown on Sunday Night Football between Buffalo and Pittsburgh oh that's a good question and I watched that game in full as well (laughs) Not sure. James Connor, but I don't think that's right. Okay, question 10. Within 50, how many total points were there in week 15? (laughs) Oh, that's horrible. We don't like people getting 10 on this (laughs) quiz. No. Um, 16 games. This is embarrassing. The, the, the maths in my head is embarrassing. <laughs> uh, you tell me. You tell me. You seven hundred and seventy-three. Okay, stop the clock. How do you think you did? <laughs> I'm not as badly as I thought. A few things I did remember, um, but one or two guesses in there, as mm. you could probably tell. Mm. Yep. Uh, okay. Well, let's go through him. Question one: Jamison Crowder was the scorer of the two New York Jets touchdowns versus the Ravens. Julio Jones was the uh, winning touchdown for the Atlanta Falcons versus the 49ers. And again, correctly, the uh, Austin Hooper was the one that was chalked off. I thought it was a bit harsh to be chalked off personally, but uh, there we go. Oh, I'm not. The it official. was. Well, it's one of those. He. I don't know if the ball hit the ground, but he didn't. He didn't have control. It was. It was a ridiculous ending to that game. It was full stop, crazy, wasn't but... it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. Well, yeah, it, it hit the ground, but it, I, I think that aspect was fine. It was the fact that when it came back off the ground, it then juggled, and I'm just like, well, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't understand why that then becomes an incomplete pass. But there we go, because uh, he, he held it; it didn't touch the floor after that. But anyway, that's for that's for another time. That's for one floor. That's <laughs> one is a catch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, question three: the score, uh, least amount of points in week fifteen. Three was the Denver Broncos. Correct. They got a walloping from who did they get a walloping from? Can't even remember now. Uh, uh, Chiefs. KC in the snow, wasn't yeah, it? That's it? Yeah. Uh, which game had the closest winning margin? I've got four. I, I've got Texans and Titans down. Are you sure they only won by three? I thought it was I four. Think it was, I think it was 24-21. Hmm. Okay, I'll go back and have but a look at that. But if, it's, if it's the right answer, I'm yeah. not going to argue. No, that's it. That's it, yeah. We'll find out it's a totally different game. Um, <laughs> question six, Stefan Gilmore. Good, uh, good guess on that one. He scored the defensive touchdown for the Patriots versus the Bengals. Uh, wow, question... that, was, that literally was a, a Pla- guess. Pl- <laughs> Plucked that one out of the air. Yeah. Six out of six so far. Question seven: Rushing back with uh, running back with more rushing yards. Kenyon Drake had 137. Nick Chubb had 127. So that was correct as well. Oh. Question eight: Drew Brees just the one, of course, then just the one uh, incomplete pass there on Monday Night Football. So that's correct as well. Eight out of eight, getting uh, getting squeaky bum time. <laughs> Um, question nine: Which player with the only rushing touchdown on Sunday Night Football? Unfortunately, Josh Allen was the uh, one-yard scamper. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there we go. Uh, question ten for the win. Within fifty, how many total points were there in, in Week Fifteen? You said seven hundred and seventy-three. 
there were 774. So great shout. You, jo- you are joking. Mate, wow. 774. So yeah. Fair play to you. Wow, well, that's play. that's that's floored me. That has. <laughs> yeah, it has. Nine. Well, the the quiz the uh, the quiz didn't fool you. Nine out of ten in two minutes forty three. Very good effort. I've I've got to be honest. There's a bit of there's more than a bit of luck <laughs> involved there. But Take I'm, it. I'm very happy with that. Take it. So you have to give give maybe give some of that luck to the Titans to get a wild card uh, spot for the playoffs. Oh yes, I will. no, thank you. I will. <laughs> that's a, that's a very good idea. It's it's more than likely going to come down to winning in Houston yes yeah absolutely and yeah. as much as I'd love to say I'm confident um, yeah it's uh, it's it's tricky the, the hope is that Houston don't have anything to play for yeah if yeah. it comes down to that but yeah. Yeah, even if that's the case they they well they might rest one or two against the Titans but I don't think they're they're going to play anything but hard mm. no we, we should say two weeks left to play who knows uh, say the Steelers are a bit phony at number six anyway so hopefully for your sake mate they get in the playoffs and you get to watch a bit of January football for the Titans I appreciate that we'll see, well we'll see Dallas in the Super Bowl how about that <laughs> well that's uh, that's pushing it mate that's pushing it um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway um, yeah Adam uh, hopefully we've got something a bit special in the pipeline lined up for the new year we won't uh, give out too much, too many details but uh, yeah hopefully we can uh, sort a little bit something out and uh, yeah you'll be back on very soon indeed Sounds good. Fabulous effort there from Adam. Now back to the boys. You can't keep that man off a full 10 yards podcast. Thanks ever so much, Tim, for that. And myself and Ewan will now move across to third down. Third down. Okay, mate, plenty for us to get our teeth into in third down this week because we have a huge seven games gracing our television screens as we get the bonus NFL Saturday coverage this week in the run-up to Christmas. And you're going to kick us off because your team actually open up the proceedings this weekend as the Texans take on one of the informed teams of the league in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, the annual Saturday matchup. Um, I think we were on this last year as well against the Jets. But um, no, I, it's... Do you know what? I'm, it's, I'm, my gut feeling of these games, and I'm pretty accurate uh, with this. I'm not going to be feeling about this one, if I'm honest with you. Because um, I think the Bucks are really, you know, the one terrible refereeing decision against the Titans where the, the ref uh, or the side judge uh, blew, the, blew, the, uh, blew the play dead when it was with a fumble on special teams and they took it back and it, 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 the, the six got chalked off. So I don't think they're as bad as they seem. I think, you know, it, I think what it'll come down to is James Winston. He's got the chance this season to not only lead the league in in, uh, in, in touchdowns, but also to lead the league in uh, interceptions. Um, <clears throat> as well as that, the last two games he's thrown for over over five or he's over 450 yards they've, as a team. Um, they've, they've averaged almost 500 yards in the last two games. So there's the, it comes down to basically how much can he secure the ball. Now, he's, he's missing his two biggest weapons in Mike Evans. He's got a hamstring. Chris Godwin's got a hamstring. They account for the number one and number two touchdowns uh, scorers in the team. So they were a big, big part of that offense. So that being said, um, without them, does the famous Jameis, as he likes to call himself, does he you know, not overturn the, the ball? Uh, to a Texans defense, which hasn't been good at uh, turning the ball over, albeit it's a Vernon Hargreaves uh, uh, 
comeback game against his old team that just dismissed him halfway through the season. Now Arians is a, an old school coach and he's he's taken a disliking to OJ Howard, uh, despite being you know probably a tight end that most people would want on their team. He he uh, he, told, he told Hargreaves they could leave the building halfway through the season, so he'll definitely look to come and prove a point. And he's he's been a great addition to the team uh, at the nickel position. So I think it will come down to basically can the Texans um, can the Texans turn the ball over and and be more efficient on offense. Um, and, be, and have better ball security than, than the Tampa Bay. Now, that being said, I think James will have time to throw the ball because Jacob Martin, who's probably been our most effective pass rusher, is out with a knee. And, um, and a good chance for the, for, the, um, for, the, for the Bucks to try and run the ball. I don't think they will. Um, so the, the, the omission of, uh, of the centrepiece in defence at the Mike Linebacker. Uh, Bernardrick McKinney is out as well as a big part of the defence. So that might get overcome, uh, but I think it'll be interesting to see how, how well James can throw it. But, uh, but I, I think the, the Bucks are, are, are marginal favourites with three points uh, with the bookmakers. But I think the Texans potentially will just sneak it. Uh, but I think it's going to be a tough one because they, they match up well against the run, um, but not so much against the pass. So I think it'll be a, a pass-happy game on both sides. Uh, you'll get some yards. I think you get too many points um, somewhere, in the, somewhere in the mid to late 20s. But I think the Texans will just sneak it. Yeah, it could be a good game, mate. One that I'm looking forward to watching, and that is then followed by another one that I'm looking forward to watching, and that's Buffalo and New England. The rematch from week four, which the Patriots survived with a 16-10 victory. If you cast your mind back to this one, Josh Allen actually went out of this game late, and Matt Barkley ended up throwing passes towards the end zone at the back end of the game. So it'll be interesting to see how... This one plays out. Obviously, at that stage, New England looked unbeatable. The defence was certainly on a record um, charging stomp through the first part of the schedule. That slowed down a little bit, but still, obviously, absolutely the strength of the team. And Tom Brady last week, although you know the New England Patriots get a win, Brady's stat line, again, very, very disappointing. Just 15 of 29, 128 yards and two touchdowns. Only four and a half yards per attempt in that. And that's coming against the Cincinnati Bengals side who've been ranked at the you know the lower end of every defensive category throughout the season. Obviously, the Bills, as we've alluded to, excellent against the pass. They actually rank second in the league, only behind the Patriots. They've got a quarterback rating against them through the air of just 439 Um, So, you know, an absolutely stellar Bills defence, led by Tredavis White at one of the cornerback positions. And they certainly match up well here against any aerial attack that New England may actually throw at them. Probably is going to come down on both sides of this one too, the run games. Both run defences are actually in the middle of the pack. The Bills are a little more consistent with how they actually run the ball throughout the season. But they're coming off a game where they struggle to do that with any effect against the Steelers. And ironically, the Patriots are coming off one of their better rushing days. They put up 175 on the ground against the Bengals. Um, so it'll be interesting to see you know, which team can actually establish the run because both will want to be playing the ball in that direction. They won't want to be going through the air against the strength of each other. Uh, for me, this game comes down to what can Josh Allen do when he's asked to throw it. He's never asked to do too much, but obviously he'll need to pick his moments. But can he actually get some yards himself on the ground? I've said, you know, when he rushes, you know, between six and ten times during a game uh, and he's in that sort of 40 to 50 yard category, that usually means good things for this Buffalo Bills side. 
I don't see this one being high scoring, but if you like your defensive football, you know, this could be a really pulsating game. I imagine it's likely to end up being a one score game coming down the stretch. And obviously for Buffalo in this one, they still have an outside opportunity to actually win the division, which, you know, I don't think anybody at the start of the year would have given anybody a sniff outside of New England, particularly when they obviously started off with a 7-0 and record. Just a word of caution, though, for anybody getting too excited about that. It does mean that the Bills need to not only win this game, but they also need to win next week and hope that New England lose next week, just in terms of the tiebreakers that they have currently. Um, so although this game can move the Bills tied from a record perspective, the Patriots would still lead the division and the fixtures for Week 17, which we'll obviously talk about next week. But just in terms of this rivalry, Buffalo and New York Giant, uh, New York Jets even, and New England and the Miami Dolphins. So even if Buffalo get this one, you would imagine New England are obviously going to be hot favourites next week. Uh, but I think it sends out an important message. And obviously, you never know what is going to happen. Miami have a good record against New England. Uh, so obviously, Buffalo need to get their part of the bargain squared away first and foremost. And that would start with a big win on Saturday night if they can pull it off. The final game on the Saturday slate is one from the NFC West and the 49ers are in action against the Rams, mate. This is one I think neither team can really afford to lose. you got the Rams at 8-6 and six, and I think the, the Sean McVay love train has kind of slowed down a bit and everybody that knew him and he's that even worked with him in part-time jobs when he was at university were getting jobs in the NFL last season. Now, it's kind of slowed a bit. I think golf has been levelled out. They've lost a few bits on the line and that's really impacted them in, in terms of their play. The last time these two teams played, uh, uh, McVeigh uh, couldn't get anything out of golf. He had 78 yards on 28 attempts. So, you know, the, the, the 49ers defence is good, but they've picked up injuries of late and, and, there's, and they've, not, they've not looked as quite as... Uh, convincing as they did earlier in the season, I remember the game against the Browns. Actually, not Robert Inchon, but they, you know, they looked like some, you know, a force to be reckoned with in that game. Watching that, and that was one of the most solid defensive performances I've seen this season. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a must win for the 49ers because they've got Seattle next week, and a sort of winner takes the top seed um, spot. But that being said, it, you know, the 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 49ers game is is is. Uh, is predicated on ball control and, um, and and running the ball, and I think you you, you should. The Rams' defense has still got a lot of good pieces on it, and they they showed what they can do against our own first team in Seattle last uh, two weeks ago, um, despite you know dropping one of the Cowboys last week. So I think that that the strength of the 49ers doesn't match up well against the Rams' defense. Um, <clears throat> the the, uh, the Rams have got to win, or their or their uh, or or a Vikings loss, and they'll be eliminated from this. So I, I've got a feeling that I think the uh, the Rams are going to sneak this one. Oh, that would be a turn up for the books. It obviously is going to come down to a huge Week 17 clash, as you say, because I think uh, whatever happens this week, uh, I do think that will, um, will become winner-takes-all because of the tie-break implications. But uh, certainly the 49ers will want to get some momentum going into that one. Obviously a heartbreaking loss for them at the death against the Falcons last week. Uh, that is the Saturday night game, so let's get into the Sunday fair. And the Saints and Titans open up proceedings on uh, Sunday on the Sky early window. Um, obviously for the Saints, as we alluded to, they're coming off the back of a big win on Monday night football. And the Titans obviously need to bounce back after a defeat to the Houston Texans last week in that big divisional matchup that we talked about. 
Saints obviously still in play here for the number one seed, so they're not going to be taking this one lightly. I mentioned briefly about Drew Brees' record night, and despite he may have cost you a few quid on his yardage line, as you and alluded to, he went 29 of 30 for 307 yards with four touchdowns. And in doing so, that gave him the career-leading touchdown throws. Obviously, that doesn't include postseason Patriots fans before you jump on me and tell me Brady's thrown more. That's obviously in regular season action. So congratulations to Brees as he passes Peyton Manning for that record. And with his historic night in terms of completion percentage, he actually def defeats Philip Rivers now in that category uh, and moves to the top of that chart as well with the um, highest successful completion percentage in a game. Um, so really phenomenal stuff there. Michael Thomas feasting yet again with 10 receptions. We're potentially on record watch this week already. I believe he only needs is it 12 receptions now. Um, to get the record from Marvin Harrison for single-season reception numbers and the way that they're playing, who's to say that that won't happen? The Titans' pass defence is quite middle of the pack. Um, they generate a bit of pressure up front. They've got 36 sacks on the season, but the Saints excel on that offensive line. They've allowed the second-least amount of sacks this year, um, so it's not a good matchup for the Titans' pass defence in that regard. So potentially, like I say, look for some big numbers here from Breeze and Thomas. If you're playing along on DraftKings or anything like that, they could potentially be a nice double stack. If the Titans are going to do any good in this one, as usual, you would expect it will come through Derrick Henry. He's up to 1,329 yards on the season. And a nice little stat for you here. The Titans are 5-0 when he rushes for over 100 yards. He was held to just 86 last week in that defeat. Um, so no secret to the game plan here. As good as Ryan Tannehill has been, you know, and, and even in defeat last week, he still had a decent game. Played well. That, you know, that performance would have won a lot of games and win a lot of weeks. Um, you know, as good as he has been, this all goes through Derrick Henry. And if they can get him going, that's obviously going to be the best way for them to try and take down the Saints. I can't see it happening. However, I've got to be honest, I think the Saints will take care of business in this one. And, you know, I still think there's opportunities for the Saints to potentially find themselves in that number one seed spot once he's all said and done. And obviously with that home field advantage at the Superdome, that could be big as we get towards the back end of the season. Second game on Sky, and I'm amazed this one hasn't been flexed in the States. What are you doing, TV networks over there? But from my point of view, I'm quite happy because rather than having to wait till 1.20 in the morning to see the NFC East divisional uh, decider, we get it at the 9.25 slate, Ewan. So Cowboys and Eagles, take us away. Yeah, I mean, it's the NFC East, so I think even if even if it wasn't a, a division decider, it'd probably be on TV anyway because it seems to be the case. Uh, but... The, yeah, seven and seven. Both teams have got a chance to win the division at seven and seven. So, kind of tells you about what the kind of season that you know they've had. I think you know everybody was ready to crown Cowboys Super Bowl champions after beating three bad teams. I think they're only after last week that was only their second win against against uh, teams of winning records, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I think the Cowboys' defense have let them down a bit. I think you know, I think you know Prescott is you know as much as been criticised and he's in the spotlight and. You know, being under centre for that team, he's you know he's he's led led them reasonably well this season, bar a few a few mishaps, and um, you know I think it's it's it's, it's tough because if when you, when there's a feeling around the the city and the building that, that your coach is a dead man walking, then how do the uh, you know how do you, how do you kind of get up for this? But I think it's it's a winner take you know it's probably a winner takes all. 
game and without uh, without you know next week kind of you know being um uh <laughs> being a being a slip up tie for either of them. I think the Cowboys depending on Van Der Esch is uh is, is is health? I think he's a big part of that that uh, that defense, and the, you know they've been inconsistent. Seventy um, percent um, have given up yielded of scores from the teams of the trips to the red zone. So for the last few weeks, they've, uh, they've they've really fallen in that category. Whereas Carson Wentz, at the same time as over the past three weeks, has been um, has been. Uh, has scored eight, eight eight touchdowns and trips to the red zone. So I think you know you can see Carson Wentz is trying to found a bit of fluidity despite not having anybody at receiver to throw to. Um, there's, there's been a, you know, there's been a, a sort of a, some shoots of recovery, I think, from from that team despite the injuries they have. And I think, you know, they were a, you know, a, 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 a clear Super Bowl candidate on paper. It's not worked out for that, but it's a chance at home uh, in front of their fans to, to, you know, to sort of salvage a season um, that they could potentially do. I think the Cowboys will just sneak it though, um, based, based on it this season. Um, and the way it's gone, they seem to have just been able to pull results out just to keep their season afloat um, by enough. Yeah, I think it'd be maybe you know twenty four, twenty eight, something like that. But I think um, yeah, I think the Cowboys will just sneak it. Yeah, could be a good one. Certainly going to be squeaky bum time for Tim. So good luck to the Cowboys, mate. Hope they pull that one out of the fire for you. Uh, the game that probably should have been flexed out of Sunday night football, but isn't, therefore, is the Chiefs and the Bears. The Bears obviously now officially out of playoff contention at 7-7. Seven and seven. The Chiefs just running into a nice bit of form at 10-4, and four, and they'll be hoping that results go their way so they can get into the conversation for a first-round bye and probably secure the number two seed. That's what they'll be aiming to do. Uh, Patrick Mahomes still looking as good as usual 340 yards last week in the snow it's got to be said and you know monster days for Travis Kelsey and for Tyreek Hill um, the Chiefs still 13 yards per game through the air fifth in big plays and that's coming up against the Bears defence that actually have, stru- have, have done well in that category their sixth best defending big plays they've given up the sixth least amount and they're pretty good on third down defense as well so the defense although not generating the numbers from a statistical point of view in terms of sacks and those type of things that you um, always see flashing up in the box score are actually doing quite well in terms of the basics of the game uh, held in Aaron Rodgers last week in that tight battle with Green Bay. Uh, the KC defence has actually been improving throughout the year. And a stat that surprised me when I was jotting down a few notes, they're actually third against the pass in terms of allowing the um, least completion percentage. Um, so they really have tightened things up on the back end. Tyron Matthews having himself a nice season from the safety position. He's probably somebody I should have mentioned when we were talking about the Pro Bowl earlier as someone who potentially was snubbed a little bit there. Um, no, is he? No, is he? Because I watched him for a season. I was not impressed. And is he one of these guys that gets by by name? Because I know he made a great play in the end zone, but it was in the snow last week. And there's certain players in this league that get by on reputation alone. He was a good player in some of his early days at Arizona, but I don't think he's got it. And I'd be interested to see if any Chiefs fans can definitively say they've watched, you know, every game this season. Is Is he back to his best? Because he's certainly not been that in the last three years. Well, there you go, Chiefs fans. There's a challenge. Get in touch. Let us know. Is he worthy of the Pro Bowl? He certainly, like you say, flashes in terms of all the highlights packages. I can't confess to watching every single KC game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, But he certainly seems to have been in and around the ball in recent weeks. So, yeah, hit us up. Is he somebody that's been snubbed? Uh, in terms of the Bears, what they would obviously like to do is attack the weakness of the Chiefs, which is the run defence, as we know. 
However, quite possibly one of the most disappointing rookies so far this year, David Montgomery, has, has still failed to get his yards per carry average above three and a half on the season. So they're pretty much still in neutral when it comes to the running game. And I can't see this being anything other than quite a convincing Chiefs win. And like I say, thankfully, from a UK fan's perspective, uh, unless you're a fan of those two sides, I don't think many people will be staying up into the early hours of Sunday morning to watch it. Uh, the final game of the week is another big one, though, mate, and it potentially has divisional implications in the NFC North. Green Bay against the Vikings side that I've said all year, I think, will eventually get to that number one spot. If they're going to have any chance, they're going to have to pull out this win on Monday night. Yeah, and they say, I like I like Minnesota. I think they're a good side. Um, I think if they didn't have that that sort of wide receiver uh, unrest at the start of the season, where they weren't spraying the ball around to keep you know sort of the various weapons they've got, um, Thielen, Diggs, etc., happy, um, you know, they, they, this might be a lot closer now. Just from personal experience, I saw the Green Bay Packers up closer. I, I I just I just you know, they've got a good record. And you are what your record says you, but I just don't think they're quite as good. Uh, as some of the teams, you know, in that position in the league, um, you know, they've been really, really reliant on the run this year, um, and, uh, and more so than you know, the, you think an Aaron Rodgers side would be, um, and it, and it, and, it, and that matches up well against uh, the Vikings, and they like that because you've got a big defensive front, um, and that they're, they're they're comfortable that can try and control games for them. I think as well, the 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 line has never been that much of an issue for. Rodgers, but he always kind of you know managed to mask it by leading the, the league in throwaways uh, when the when the play is potentially dead. So I like I, I, it's uh, it's a game that's that the NFC titles on on you know on the line. Um, it'll, it'll tail into next week. Kirk Cousins is 0 and 8 on Monday Night Football, um, and, and Rodgers has got a pretty good record in prime time. So it'll be interesting to see how how uh, much they can. I think that. The, the Minnesota defense is going to cause a lot of issues, you know, right through all three levels of of, the, of, of their of their unit. They've got you know some great corners, uh, and they and they've got and they've got some strong strong linebackers as well um, <clears throat> um, across 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 the across the team. So like I think I think it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be a, a, a tight contest. I I've got a feeling I've had this all week that I think value wise, um, Minnesota five and a half point spread um, is is good money. Um, I think the Vikings are going to draw level with the Packers and take it down a week 17. Yeah, could be a good one to round out the week. And that is your TV offerings for the week. Obviously, though, there are still a number of games left to get through. So we'll whiz through those as we head over to fourth down. Fourth down. Okay, fast and furious for fourth down. Quite a few games still to get through. Not a lot of them having playoff implications in them. So let's get into them. Jets and Steelers. Steelers still hanging on just about to that final wildcard berth. Obviously need to bounce back from defeat last week. So Doug Hodge is still taking the snaps at quarterback. We'll look to get them into uh, week 17 in the driving seat as they take on Sam Darnold and the Jets. Colts and Panthers, disappointing season for both of these sides. Uh, certainly more expectations on the Colts coming in. Obviously, the Andrew Luck um, retirement obviously rocked them on the eve of the season. But it's another quarterback that probably makes the headlines in this one as Will Greer finally gets off the bench uh, for the Panthers as Carl Allen hits the bench after a flurry of interceptions in recent weeks. So we're eventually going to get to see what the rookie can do. Uh, Dolphins and Bengals, 
uh, at one stage potentially thought to be a decider for the number one pick, but the Bengals have obviously got that one wrapped up. They've actually been performing better in recent weeks. Joe Mixon has got moving on the ground, uh, so expect to see more of him in their offence. In terms of the Dolphins, I think anybody that potentially has got two feet and could put one in front of the other and run could line up at running back. That's the way the Dolphins' season has gone at that position. Just out of those three games there, you and I suppose the thing that does stand out is Will Greer uh, making his debut. Anything else in those three games, though, that uh, particularly grabs your attention? Yeah, I mean, well, the reason why they went to Kyle Allen was because Will Greer was putrid, for one of a better phrase, in the preseason. So um, he, the, the whole point or the whole idea was that he ran a similar system to what Cam Newton was running at West Virginia. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough, I think, when you come in at this late stage of the season. It throws up some funny results, just like you know Kyle Allen got his break last season in the final game against the Saints, uh, when the season was pretty much dead. Neither team looked like they wanted to win the game, so um, this is a similar game. But uh, but yeah, no, I think it's uh, that time of the season. There's some games that mean a lot. Um, people are wanting, uh, particularly uh, the Pittsburgh and, and the Jets, want or the or the Jets wanting to lose potentially um, to get to get closer to the the first seed. Um, and you know, there's there's some other teams in there as well that you know probably a loss isn't the worst thing for them long term. Um, you know, this week, so we'll see. Um, you know, it's going to be dominated by some good prime time games, and, and a lot should be decided. But you know, it's tight at the top of the NFC. Um, and the NFC's pretty much done bar gone the last couple of spots. Yeah, let's get through the next group of three. Um, so we've got the Broncos and the Lions. Not an awful lot to say about this one. It's just can the Lions actually find a way to get another win this season. Obviously started off so promisingly undefeated through the first four with a 3-0-1 record and then downhill ever since. The Broncos obviously continuing to see what they have or haven't got in Drew Locke. Um, obviously very difficult to judge him on the snowball of last week. Uh, the Chargers, they might be looking at quarterback come the draft. Obviously, Philip Rivers seriously on the decline. And they take on a Raiders side, who again, pretty much will be demoralised, you would assume, after all but effectively being made out of playoff contention with that result last week. Uh, they are still technically alive, but it's going to take a mighty miracle for that to come to fruition. Um, so not a lot to play for in that one. A team that does still have something to play for, the Seahawks, obviously still in play for the number one overall seed, going against the Cardinals side, who got back to winning ways last week after six on the spin without. Uh, potentially a sneakily good game. This one, I would suggest, could be quite an interesting watch. Two high-powered offences, so could see plenty of points in this one. Could be a good game for the neutral. Uh, any of those three take your fancy, Ewan? Yeah, no. I mean, they're not on TV at this stage for, for a reason, so, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be good to get this the season wrapped up. I think people's most, te- I think most teams are probably ready for playoffs now. Yeah, they could be, but yeah, we might still get a bit of fun in some of these games. Let's go through the last three: Skins, Giants. We're not going to find any fun in this game, are we? I've, uh, <laughs> no, I, wouldn't, made, I wouldn't think so. Wouldn't I've think made so. your, I've made your <laughs> point for you quite nicely there. Skins, Giants. We'll ignore that one. If you're a fan of those sides and you're still carrying on watching at this stage of the season, then fair play to you indeed. Falcons, Jags. 
Uh, the Falcons have been a little bit of a spoiler team, haven't they, in recent weeks? Um, obviously not going to be spoiling anything in terms of the Jags' postseason ambitions. Um, but obviously for the Jags, they'll be continuing to look at Gardner Minshew and is he any good? And the final game on the slate is the Browns and the Ravens. I just said the same thing about the Raiders. Browns still technically, mathematically alive, but it's going to take an almighty miracle. And the biggest part of that miracle is if they have any chance whatsoever of beating the Ravens. And as I lower roll back to week four of the NFL season which was the last time the Ravens lost it was to the Browns and if this is not the most surprising score of the entire NFL season I don't know what is the Browns won in Baltimore 40 points to 25 Uh, that is absolutely incredible the way these two teams seasons have gone Um, can't see nothing other than a quite heavy Baltimore Ravens win in this one Go on, Ewan. Surely one of those three games, something takes your fancy. Um, yeah, I think the, the yeah. The, I mean, I suppose it's just interesting to see how the Ravens. I think I was listening to a couple of things this week and reading a couple of articles about you know, and it seems a far fetched notion at this stage, but you know, can you know? And I don't think necessarily Cleveland are a good defense to do, but more of a white you know, was particularly with their best edge rusher out. But can somebody find a way to stop this Ravens attack because? You know, I think he's got high, high, high uh, completion percentage. But they're all high percentage throws and they're all built off the run. Is somebody going to find a way to stop, cover the tight ends in the flats, take away his easy throws um, and sell out the run? Because they don't throw it much. And when they do throw it, you know, you're lucky if you get 250 yards. So it's a completely non-traditional way of offense. But yeah, it's looked some of the best at times, but it's not the most, you know, enjoyable to watch. So, you know, can somebody even just put something on tape that's going to show a way to stop this defense because, you know, we talked about um, Jared Goff and Sean McVay, that was the toast of the league. People found out a way to do it. Um, and you see that happen all the time. You know, uh, RG3 and the Redskins, not quite similar to this, but a bit more traditional spread offense. But can they find a way? You know, that was that was quickly found out. Now, there was an injury involved in there as well. But the way Jackson runs the ball, you never know. You just never know. So, um you know, I think all the teams in the playoff in the AFC race will be watching. You know, we're interested to watch this tape back because somebody's got to show something on how they stop them. Because particularly when they're when they're not, you know, fully fully locked in in a game that might not necessarily mean everything to them in terms of the number one seed because that's already wrapped up. Um, is it a way to stop this offense? Because it's going to, it's going to be a matter of time because it's just not complex enough. I don't think um, to be sustainable for four to five years time. Now he's a good player and he'll still win games and he'll still put up points. But I don't think they'll do it in a manner that they've done it this season and be so convincing against teams when uh, these well-paid coordinators find a way to to uh, to attack their uh, attack their their strong points and um, and uh, and uh, and make sure the weaknesses are are exposed because I think it will happen. It's just a matter of time, as it always does in this league. There's a regression to the mean. There certainly is, mate. It's a sorry state of affairs for the AFC if they're relying on the Browns for some helpful pointers, though, but we will wait and see. Uh, Like I say, all joking aside, they were the last team to beat them all the way back in September. Uh, Referees are running in, mate. You know what that means? Time to get out of here. Two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. 
Okay, just a quick wrap-up of all things full 10 yards. Obviously, if you haven't already done so, check out this week's College Football Podcast, where Maxwell was joined by Rob, and they have previewed the bowl games that start off this weekend. Um, so, obviously, getting very much towards the business end of college football. The National Championship will not be far away, um, but obviously a few big games over the course of this weekend. Talking of big games, obviously, if you're in fantasy football and you're still alive, it's likely to be your championship deciding weekend. So make sure you've got your lineup set up correctly. Get all your starts and sits information from the boys and give the articles a read to get your lineup set ready for your big matchups this weekend. Um, from a NFL perspective, the lookaheads are already out, I believe. So they're in written format. Go and give them a read if you haven't done so. And obviously, Tim will likely be back alongside Adam over the course of the weekend to try and get you a little bit of Christmas cash with all the best bets for week 16. We'll be back on Monday as we review what has been a um, penultimate weekend of NFL action. And not too sure yet exactly what's going to happen next week. So I'm sure we won't be recording on Boxing Day. So we'll see what time the pods drop next week. Um, but I think Monday is in the diary. So we'll be back between your ears then. But I think that's just about it for now. So without further ado, let's say goodbye. So it's goodbye from Ewan. Thank you. Cheers, Merry buddy. Christmas. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Merry Christmas to you and Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. And of course, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye bye for now. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com. <laughs>